Ultra. to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one cold shiver running down your spine minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Jerry Porter. And I'm Pete Mummert. We're all from the Indiana Jones Minute and we're shivering spines. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, guys. Yeah. Uh, Thank very you for excited being to have you guys uh, fresh, fresh into your hiatus. It's Woo-hoo. very exciting. I'm glad we're getting all three of you back together here on Minute 73, which, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of matches thematic wise, uh, which is the minute that starts with Harry saying, what was that scene and ends with the, uh, the voice of the Green Goblin saying, I'm right here. Um, (laughs) And this is, for for my money, this is the beginning of one of the most impressive sequences in the film, like period. Uh, I, I'm I'm really excited about these, uh, the last few uh, days of the week that we have here um, moving through this Norman scene. But we do have uh, a bit of a bit of stuff with Peter and Harry at the beginning. Um, I don't know. How do we want to start off discussion here? Uh, what do you think, Scott, about? Um... Uh, well, the uh, the end of this uh, this Peter and Harry thing, um, you know, Harry has just sort of like semi apologized for dating Mary Jane behind Peter's back um and uh and then says i'm gonna go get some sleep yeah and um what's what's weird is okay so so uh, i i do like this sort of like dramatic moment of somebody has to stop it and you you can see sort of like this weight on peter because he knows he's the somebody that he's talking about yeah um which is which is nice but in the uh, in the shooting draft, there's some stuff that's cut out that I'm really glad are cut out. Oh, uh, because when when Harry says, "Look, I'm going to get some sleep. How about you?" and I think in the movie, Peter says, "I think I'm going to stay up a while" or something like that. Yeah. Right? He just kind of just says something like that in the last minute. Well, in the script, he says, "I think I'll look out at the skylight. I'd like to pray for those people who died." Oh, yeah. wow. A little Boring. more direct there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, really? Well, but then, at, but then Harry calls it back because after Peter says, "I don't know," but somebody has to stop it, which is the obvious line to cut the scene at because it's like yeah. a big, dramatic, like powerful thing. Like yeah. you know, get in late and get out early. Like yeah. that's a really great get out early line. And instead, Harry goes, "Right, well, I'm gonna go pray in my bedroom." <laughs> one of my favorite things about watching movies is like trying to find the snapshot in time like where it takes place and this loft is the epitome of early 2000 styling like everything the rustic staircase with the stainless steel rail like the 
random architectural elements like the industrial light from the 40s or yeah. that Corinthian column. <laughs> it's just like if someone said, show me 2002, that's it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And the, with the, with the like... dress as well, the uh, the costuming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like that industrial light was definitely turned into a droid in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> if For not sure. yet, it will be by the time we get to episode yeah. nine, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, I almost wonder these stairs, this wood is so freshly cut. Like they didn't bother aging it. And so I almost wonder if these weren't two apartments and that Norman just bought both of them and then they just <laughs> they just cut a hole in the ceiling and just made these stairs. Like these are freshly made stairs. Oh, that's amazing. You know, I have a friend that actually did that. He and his, oh, wow. his he met his wife and she lived in the apartment above him. And they actually, they both own their apartments and they actually just drilled a hole in the floor and put a, like a spiral staircase between them. That's incredible. What, what part <laughs> wow. of, where was this? Like what city? In Frankfurt, it's in Germany. Oh, wow. Wow. That's like, so, I, that's like too bold. It sounds like something out of like a fairy tale or like yeah, a great. romantic yeah. comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I had to reach her, so I cut a hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so is this, are they in the same building as his uh, dad? No. Okay. I think they're a little ways across town. Yeah. yeah they're they're in an apartment across from McDonald's. You know, the McDonald's in New York. The McDonald's. <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah. yeah. All right. There's probably um, a church there. Yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get this, this dip to black. Yeah. Uh, which I don't, I mean, I assume it's supposed to, it, it, it's, it, I guess this transition is supposed to sort of, I don't know, visualize Norman's blackout headspace, I guess. Yeah. But the, the but but my problem is that it goes from the the dip to black to an establishing shot of the of of mm-hmm. the mansion. Um uh, that doesn't really it doesn't quite work for me. I don't know. Yeah. Um I don't know. It it feels I mean a lot of the film feels almost deliberately anachronistic in like style, but this one feels like Instead of like, oh, we're referencing Superman the movie, this is like something out of a film noir or something where like the big dramatic line happens and we fade all the way to black and mm-hmm. then back up somewhere. Like it just doesn't feel of a piece with the rest of it, I guess. Um, I, I think I think that this was uh, I think this was something that they did in the edit bay because there there's a lot of things <clears throat> that are cut out of this scene with Norman uh-huh. um, and and right off the top. Uh, we actually, from when he says, um, somebody has to stop it. Well, and then Harry saying he's going to go pray in his bedroom. Um, you go to the skyline and you can see the daily bugle and then it goes to a newsstand in front of the daily bugle. And then the newspaper drops on the, on the, um, newsstand with the new issue of the daily bugle that says Times square or Times scare. <laughs> Spider-Man, Green Goblin, Terrorize City. Um, before we go to Norman's apartment and he's holding the front page. page. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then he re- he reads the, the bit about Oscorp board members being killed. And then hears somebody saying, uh, like, I, or hearing a cackle and then say, ask somebody there. No, of course not. And he says that to himself. And then he walks over and starts pouring himself a drink. Oh, wow. So it seems like they just cut out a lot of transition air, transition material. 
Right. Um, and just sort of, you know, cut to the chase, I guess. Fair. It definitely feels like something that the screenwriter built in as a transition because he didn't know how to transition from the previous scene to this one. Right. So you write the really newspaper what like. link or whatever. Right. And then you get in the yeah. edit bay and you're like, that doesn't, we don't need that. Why? No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. This isn't how movies work. They don't have to work <laughs> like that. I, I, you know, I'm just stuck with like the Green Goblin's house. I just yeah, sure. House. Let's talk about and, that. And, and, and my, you know, yeah. my question was, does he deliberately let his, you know, the cupola, that little like bell tower on the top, does he deliberately let that patina so that it's green? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know it's brass underneath. Yeah. 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 Like, no, he's not going to clean that because it's 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 really nice <laughs> with the kind of green goblin green, but it's a natural organic thing. And he, you know, a, as a character, he relies so much on science. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, this is a nice way for it's just sort of let the science, you know, kind of kind of show through a little bit, at least when it comes to his his own house. Sure. That's well, ast- that, that, I've never noticed that. That's astonishing. I'm colorblind, so I wouldn't, <laughs> but that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it brings up a question I had is, is, does that mean that the Green Goblin has always been in him trying to get out and the serum helped him come out? Or is it something that the serum made in him? Ooh. Like this would seem to imply that it's something that was already in him is it was, it's always been wanting to go. Yeah. Out. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like the, the, it's a pr- fairly explicit Jekyll and Hyde riff in general and, Right. It's been a while since I read that book, but I thought one of the themes inherent in it was that Hyde wasn't just a creation from whole cloth, but like the the worst aspects of Jekyll kind of, uh-huh. uh, you know, the id taking over. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I do like the idea that like he might have been subconsciously planning things around not just like the masks in his house, but the the colors of his, his architecture and whatnot in this mm-hmm. like thing simmering away in his subconscious until it became another person. That's well, kind of well cool. as, as we, uh, as, as I, I recently discovered in reading, um, you know, the early, uh, Ditko Ramita Lee, amazing Spider-Man stuff. Uh-huh. Um, the reason that he's the green <laughs> goblin is because it's Norman's favorite color. Uh, Straight up. Oh. Yeah, that's the that's, only reason. That's it. That's, that's, that's the only reason. reason. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. if you look, what does that panel look like? Like he holds up the costume and he goes, and it's green, my favorite color. And that's it. No, no, no. He holds it up and I don't think it's colored yet. And he just says, oh. and I'll and I'll make it green, my favorite color. That's like, better. That's even better. Well, does that mean that like these masks all kind of influenced him? Like if he had collected Monet's, would he be like a water lily monster? <laughs> I don't know. I think he'd be the pollinator. Sure. Yeah. Sure. He also, I mean, the room that he's in, this room is like a, a really rich hunter green. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, so it's green, but it's dark. Mm-hmm. Maybe this yeah. is where, you know, this is, this is where the, 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 you know, the, his, his, you know, his worse angels start showing up, you know, in the dark mm-hmm. green. Oh my God. I never knew yeah. this room was green. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I, no. I, I painted houses for five years. Yeah. Lot, I did a lot of interior design. <laughs> so, you got to pay attention. What, is that? A, would you call it a chartreuse? Uh, no, a chartreuse no, is too it's, bright. It's, it's, it's hunter. It's kind of a hunter, a deep hunter green, and he is yeah. sort of a hunter, right? Yeah. And this yeah. is well, and this is a very it, not not only is it is it cool because it's green and green goblin, but it's also very much an early two thousands. Uh, 
color to oh, paint yeah, the interior mm-hmm. of your house. Mm-hmm. Like my my dad, I remember in the early 2000s was really excited about painting the interior of his house this color green. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it wasn't until it wasn't until Jerry really pointed it out that I was like, "Oh yeah, that 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 color." Huh. Well, the the other <laughs> thing is good. when when you use dark colors, when you paint a room a dark color like this, it makes the room feel smaller. And yeah. so mm-hmm. I'm almost wondering if he himself is feeling, you know, uh, uh, claustrophobic almost. It's right. like he's stuck inside his own brain here and his yeah. thoughts are rattling around. And you want to say, look, Norman, don't paint your house green on the inside <laughs> if you're already a little bit unhinged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and and if we're if we're talking color theory, um, the if you if there's a there's a shot, I know this is something that you can't really appreciate much, Zach, but Fair. no, keep going. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the the hunter green, if you look up when he looks up, when Norman looks up at that sort of uh uh, I don't know arches. what you would call that. Yeah, yeah. There's like the arches and the little the little, mezzanine up there. Know, in interior patio. Yeah. I don't know what you'd call that thing. <laughs> um, but uh, it's all this dark, like red wood that actually looks a lot like Norman's hair. And so yeah. it's like it's like Norman versus the Green Goblin. <laughs> In, oh, yeah. Like just like in color theory. Yeah. Well, you, you know, someone mentioned uh, Norman's hair, and mm. can we talk mm-hmm. about this for a minute? Because I've never been a guy who has hair like that, like Willem Dafoe's. And first of all, I just want to ask: is is Willem Dafoe a good-looking guy? Yes. We've actually Sculptural. we've had this discussion before. <laughs> he is. He is. Um, he's an interesting looking yes. guy, right? which for a lot of people makes him attractive, right. yeah. I think. Like an Abe Lincoln type quality where, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, they used to say that like in, in historical accounts of Abe Lincoln, they're like, he has such intense features, but there's something about him that's just so magnetic. I think that's like if you have such really strong angular bone yeah. structure or whatever, uh, that it can be magnetic. Or just yeah. like, I'm, yeah, like good when, I, when, when I see his hair, especially in this scene, and it's kind of like wispy and it looks like waves crashing and it, it reminds me of the green goblin the way he kind of surfs the sky oh <laughs> yeah wow I'm down with that you know, I, I mean like his, his board kind of just hovers all over up and down and, yeah. and it's it's sort of he's in control of it but it also seems haphazard and that's exactly like like norman's hair where it's like it's it just flows its own way yeah, and it's it's you mm-hmm. you're like it's different every day, but it always has a, like a really interesting flow to it. And I'm not that guy, so that's sure. why it's intriguing to no, me. No, that is that's an intriguing thing, it, especially because they went to the degree in this film at least where they specifically colored James Franco's hair and restyled it away from how it naturally is to mimic the appearance of uh, Willem Dafoe's hair. So, mm-hmm. wh- you know, whether or not it was deliberately this level of you know metaphoric abstraction it was at least a a strong enough choice that they liked that they would go to the lengths to adjust franco's hair to match his rather than the other way around Um, right yeah it does have that sort Um, of wild aspect to it yeah absolutely uh i do want to talk about the mask because what i love about the detail of the masks is like yes it's a nice like representation of you know where you know where norman's uh, mental space is and 
how he's got, you know, like a mask that he wears in public. And then, but then he was also hiding this sort of other identity as we talked about before, like, and then now this performance enhancer has sort of brought that identity to the forefront in the form of a mask. So there, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on with the mask, but what I love about the, the practicality of the masks is that, um, the very first thing that they tried to do with the goblin was that they were going to give him, they were going to, they were going to have him collect, um, these tribal masks and that one of them was going to be what would become the green goblin mask. Oh. And they just left them all in here. <laughs> like they just, they <laughs> oh, like, wow. even though they're not using that, uh, that idea anymore, uh, you know, they just thought, well, you know. Waste not, want not. I guess, <laughs> and it's kind of a it's kind of a, a theme of the whole movie too. Is almost everybody in this movie is masked in some way. You know, yeah, everyone's yeah. trying to yeah, you know, you know, show their you, true self or hide themselves. We started out mm-hmm. the the very beginning of this minute, and I, all I was thinking is, what's with all the duplicity, guys? <laughs> <laughs> like you know, uh, you know, Harry's not 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 mention it to Peter. He's kind of like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, I started dating the love of your life. Right, uh-huh. you know, and I kept and it, it from you for a while. Yeah, 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 and just I, I, you know, and then, you know, I mean, Peter's like, somebody's got to stop him. It's me because I'm Spider-Man, but I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> it's like, hey, what's going on? Even even MJ <laughs> is living like a double life in that she yeah. doesn't want like Harry yeah. to know that she works at a uh, at a yeah. diner instead of, yeah. and right. she doesn't want Peter to know that she's not a successful actor. So she, she lies to right. both of them right. in that scenario. Right. Everybody is doing a lot of hiding, at least in the first half of the movie. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm wondering? So if Norman is drinking Maker's Mark, then what does the Green Goblin drink? Well, but he's he's not drinking Maker's. There's a Maker's bottle, but he's drinking out of a decanter. I think he's drinking like scotch out of the decanter, and the Maker's is actually uh, the, the Goblin's, Goblin's drink of choice. Oh, really? Snyder. See, I'm th- I yeah. think the Green Goblin would drink like one of those overly chemical energy drinks, <laughs> like, you know, like a Voltage Five Thousand Eleven Hour. I mean, he because he's kind of like overly chemical himself. He's yeah. all scientific up, and he has performance enhancers. Mm-hmm. Maybe and, like uh, he'll mix it with like straight Everclear or something. Yeah, yeah, he would. I mean, if he's feeling a little, you know, <laughs> but but he's also really hyped up anyway. Yeah. yeah, like he, he shows up, and you're like, "Look, this guy's already pounded two five-hour energy drinks." <laughs> I mean, he shows up like on his way to the, you know, the Times Square or whatever, the Times Scare. Yeah, he's pounding a stop at the Seven Eleven, downs a couple of them. <laughs> well, is is Maker's Mark also? Is there's a hidden meaning in there? Like he's the maker of the Green Goblin in a sense, and he's like, oh, oh, that's not bad. bad. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Ooh. Well, what's interesting is, you know, you kind of you're like, all right, you're into masks. I get it, Norman slash Green Goblin, but the Green Goblin mask doesn't look anything like these, you know, these tribal masks. I mean, they 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 look like uh, they're kind of like organic, or they're they're made from I don't know. They're sort of uh, locally sourced. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I mean, the Green Goblin's mask, I guess it's locally sourced if he works in a lab. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like super 
I don't know, space agey and, and you yeah. know, it, it does not at all look like the masks that Norman collects. Right. Although there's sense- not there's not a super good explanation as to where that mask comes from. Like, I, I, I think we talked about it a little bit, but we've been sort of avoiding the question <laughs> of where that ma- that helmet comes from, because uh-huh. either it existed before and then the, the question is why <laughs> or. Or it didn't exist before, and he made it. And the question again is like, well, how? Like, what? How and when? And who designed it? You you drew that, right. and then and of, and of, built it. And three, it's not like there's a three D printer yeah. or anything yet. Like those weren't a thing yet. So th- that would have been a huge process. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. maybe Oscorp was so ahead of the curve that they had like rapid prototyping technology available already, <laughs> and he could just like yeah. make it there. It's just it is funny that like. It's been brought up before and it's always getting brought up like in the groups and comment section that they did an early mask test with like a more comic accurate, like moving, like rubbery type prosthetic mask. And the the reason that Raimi gave for not going in that direction was we would have to spend too much time in the story of the film explaining how and why he has this, you know, rubberized uh, mask that moves and grips to his face. It's quicker to just use a mask of course if you make a mask like this one it still raises the question of well wait where did it it doesn't quite like that i'm that explanation i understand where he was coming from but it almost leaves another gap when you just swap over to a space age high-tech one yeah i keep wondering if he has uh some form of dissociative identity disorder like if he, (laughs) he has multiple personalities that don't know about each other's existence and it seems like maybe the green goblin like it's just these different sides of him coming out into one person and he's finally accepting that that's who they are. But if that's the case, he could have been working on this mask, you know, when he was in his other persona. Oh, and have no idea that he was doing it. Yeah. 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 I'd buy it. And I think, I think that's, that's originally uh, what it was going to be when they were, when they decided against the animatronic thing, Mm -hmm. that was always the design that you saw. Was it looked like, a bunch of things cobbled together. And then for whatever reason, and I don't know that I've ever gotten a straight answer in all of the research that we have Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they ended up going with that sort of streamlined, you know, Apple store version (laughs) instead of, instead of that, like you said, the cobbled together version, which is what all of the, all of the uh, like early concept art of this version of the suit looks like it's all, cobbled together stuff, especially the helmet. Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, you know, I, um, but I've got, but I, I think I've got our answer. I think, I think what happened is that the goblin hired a bunch of interns, <laughs> uh, had them, had them work for three days straight, made that helmet and then killed them. All. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think the interns at some point were like, this looks a little evil. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, probably, but it doesn't matter because they're dead now. So, <laughs> yeah. Let, let you know what happened to Harry's mother or or Norman's wife, her spouse. Um, she uh she took all their money and left. Um, like she she left and left Harry with Norman. Okay, like she uh, yeah yeah she didn't care about Harry. Um, this is partially from the novelization and partially from something that Norman says in the Thanksgiving scene. Mm. But but basically. Uh, she divorced Norman, took half his fortune in the divorce, and then uh, left and uh, basically severed ties with Harry as well. Okay, the, the reason yeah. I asked in the portrait is because when you oh. you know when you have a guy yeah. who's alone in his house, 
you know, talking to the mirror. Uh -huh. You know, this is, you know, this is the sort of thing that usually a spouse can intervene. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and so I'm wondering, this is, you know, I was kind of like, well, they have a kid and this sort of thing. It, this could have all been taken care of with a like, Norman, you're doing it again. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, instead, instead, I mean, he doesn't have a wife, but he does have Bernard. Um. <laughs> Houseman. <laughs> Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he 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 try. I mean, he does his best with Harry in the in the sequels, but um, <laughs> I think he was. I mean, I think he's just he's just too late for Norman. Uh, and, and I don't think and I don't think Norman respects Bernard as much as uh, Harry did. That's fair. Um, for Harry, he's more of an Alfred. For Norman, he's the help. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as far as that portrait goes. I, I, uh, I lean toward, I don't think that's Norman's ex-wife. I think that would be weird. Mm. She has um, red I, hair too. So now it makes me think it's his mom or something. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's probably Norman's mother. Uh, and because this is his father's house, as we read about in a newspaper close up, um, <laughs> like 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is this is actually uh, this is actually his father's business and his father's house and and uh, that Norman Norman didn't start this he's just uh, keeping it afloat and uh, the reason that the board hates him so much is because he's not his father and they don't respect mm. him that this whole movie has a chain of like father son weirditude mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah oh yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually don't really have a huge problem with Norman becoming the Green Goblin. Because the, the, the one guy at the very end of the table is like, you're out, Norman. You know, and yeah. you, I just like, you know what? I'm going to show you something. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 yeah, I'm, I don't really blame him because, <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you're sitting there and it's like, it's his company. Yes, I know there's a board of directors and you need to have that and that's important. But is he mm -hmm. really... I don't know. I mean, their stock prices. He says it at the beginning of the meeting. The stock prices are, you know, through the roof. Their costs are down. Revenue profits are up. Are up. Yeah. So, yeah and, then, <laughs> and then they fire them to their face, and they do it in a way that's unceremonious. And mm -hmm. and the guy just says like, "You're out." Yeah. He'd be like, "You right. know what?" Well. <laughs> And again, the novelization pumpkin bombs for everybody. <laughs> again, pumpkin bombs again the, no the novelization uh, sort of like sheds a light on that guy's deal, which is again that he felt he should be running the company because he was, mm. to a certain extent, like business partners with Norman's father. Oh. Okay, and and so when Norman got the company and he didn't, uh, he's just been looking for an excuse to get rid of him ever since. Huh. That puts a darker tone on that. Uh, it's not in the um, the final version, but in, in either the kept draft or the shooting draft, there's this whole through line of the goblin trying to get Norman to kill his own son, to kill Harry. Because right. there was this like fear Harry. that when Harry took mm -hmm. over the company, he would ruin it. And so mm -hmm. to protect it, you have to kill Harry. So like that, oof. Just... But, it, well, but in that version, mm -hmm. the board of directors didn't hate oh, Norman. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. So that was a whole other. Th I think in that version, Norman did start the company got it, got in it, the cap draft. Yeah. But, but yeah. if you look at the board of the directors, they're running the company. What are they supposed to respond to? And you're like, what's best for the company? And like the dude just laid out in one sentence <laughs> that the company's <laughs> kicking ass, and and then the next sentence is they fire him. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess they they sell it. You know, it was kind of yeah. like there was an offer we can't refuse. Came yeah. from Quest. Right. 
Right. But and and the board is going to be unanimous because they're going to get a nice payday. And yeah. then that one guy is just pleased as punch because they're probably going to make him the lead of the company after the sale. Right. Yeah. Uh, which, which, you know what? That's so. fine. I don't have a problem with somebody becoming the Green Goblin then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, what is your background with not this movie, but Spider-Man as a character? Um, oh, for me, it's were... pure electric company. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, like, yeah. I loved those. That was, for me, that was and still is Spider-Man. You know, like, he's, <laughs> the, fighting the, he's fighting the wall at, you know, Shea Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> he's, you know, whatever. He's, he's, and there's Morgan Freeman is always narrating him or he's fighting him. Yeah. or I, There's just something about that that's very, it, it just harkens back to my childhood. Sure. And I absolutely love it. And so I still, I still look at Spider-Man with this kind of funny innocence and this kind of, I mean, he's kind of a goofy, quirky character. Totally. Yeah. Right. What about you, Jerry? Uh, I'm just like Pete. It was Electric Company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did watch, you know, the the cartoon of Spider-Man, you know, probably, that was probably like fourth grade or so. And uh-huh. I loved, I loved, loved the Green Goblin hmm. on that. Like, he was always my favorite uh, bad guy. And I always loved when he was on. And if it was like, was it, God, was it Dr. Octopus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, he was on, or it was it Magneto? Like, I was always like, eh, eh, it's no Green Goblin. <laughs> so I was, I was very excited about that. And also, doc, God, Dr. Octopus, I was thinking about this today. What a pain in the ass it would be to walk around like that guy. <laughs> like from the cartoon, you can't go anywhere. You can't like you can't like trying to get into a mall, <laughs> up the escalator. How do you and shower? Then, uh, like I don't. I don't yeah, how do you shower? <laughs> and then that, was it was it like Magneto? Begrudgingly, yeah. Begrudgingly. Magneto just seemed like his breath would smell. Mm. Interesting. Something like like his mouth is rusty. <laughs> At least from the cartoons that I used to watch, Fair you know, that, that was m- mostly my introduction to him. Oh, I love it. No, well, maybe it was Dr. Doom. Yeah, I'm describing Dr. Doom. There we go. It's Dr. Doom. No, yeah. Like, yeah, it's Dr. Yeah, Doom. Yeah. Well, that goes to show you how invested I was. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be on this at all. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we will be back tomorrow with Minute 74. Uh, In the meantime, you can go check out Indiana Jones Minute and all the other Minute podcasts by going to moviesbyminutes.com. You can go check out, uh, you know, everything that's uh, going on over there. I think there's like over 60 at this point. Um, Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's something like that. It's crazy. Um, and then also at the end of this month, uh, there's the Movies by Minute Chicago sort of convention show thing that we're doing. Um, at some point, we're going to have to be able to figure out a good way of describing what this thing is. I guess, I guess, we, I guess we actually have to do one first before we figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but, uh, but I, I'm going to be with my uh, Back to the Future co-host doing our very last episode of Back to the Future Minute Aww. there. Um, as and uh, Indiana Jones Minute guys, you guys are uh, joining forces with the Star Wars Minute guys to do sort of a. Th- I have no idea what you guys are talking about, um, but 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 you guys are talking about something. It'll be great. Um, so uh, if you're in the Chicago area or looking for an excuse to have a vacation, uh, go check out the Greenhouse Theater website and buy tickets to Movies by Minute Chicago. 
and uh, go check that out. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 74. Bye, everybody. Bye.